Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Uh, it is great to be with you. Turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. Luke 8 is where we're going to be. We are continuing our series uh, called The King is Here. And we've been looking at the book of Luke, um, looking at the teachings of Jesus, looking at the person of Jesus, and we're gonna continue doing that uh, today with a very famous and a very rich passage. Uh, Luke 8, verse one. Luke 8, verse one, and you know, I, I don't mention this very often, I should mention it more. We have, if you come on a Sunday and you don't have a Bible with you, we have Bibles here out at our little welcome table. They are yours to keep. If you don't have a Bible, you want a Bible, that's yours to keep, um, and so just keep that in mind. We have Bibles out there. All right, uh, Luke 8, verse one says this. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that Though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are those who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. This is the word of the Lord. This is one of my um, favorite teachings uh, from Jesus, and here's why. 
Jesus is saying that his message, the gospel, the kingdom of God, has to do with your heart. More than your mind, more than your will, Jesus is concerned with what you love. There's a famous part of the story, The Little Prince, where uh, this is said. If you want to build a ship, he counsels, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. What you love. See, to be human is to crave, it's to want, it's to be oriented in your life towards something that you love. And it's what drives us beyond all other things, and Jesus knows that. What do you love? Really think about it this morning. What do you love? Because that is what you will make room for in your heart. (laughs) That is what you will organize your life around. But not only that, what you love is what you will become. There's an ominous uh, warning from the Psalms in Psalm 115. Here's what the psalmist says. But their idols are silver and gold, made by human hands. They have mouths, but cannot speak. Eyes, but cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. Noses, but cannot smell. Pay attention to this. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. What you love is what you will become. So here in the passage before us, Jesus is diagnosing, that's what he's doing, what gets in the way of receiving and loving his word. The written word, the spoken word. His presence, receiving and loving his presence. His activity. And to do this, in order to kind of help us see what he's seeing, he uses this metaphor of dirt. An agricultural metaphor. And he uses this metaphor of different kinds of dirt to stand for people's hearts. Because of what people have loved, because of what they have wanted, they have either set up soil in their heart to hear what God is saying and receive it and plant it or to reject it. And what I want to look at this morning is each type of soil or each type of heart because I believe there's a lesson in each. So, firstly, the path heart. The path heart. This is the, this is the first uh, example that we get, the first metaphor we get from Jesus, the path heart. Look down here, Bibles, verse 5. He says, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. See, the dangers of the path are a lack of protection. Seed on a path can be trampled on by people who are just walking on that path, or birds can come and actually pick the seed off and eat it, right? Now, Jesus brings a little bit more definition to the metaphor here in verse 11. Look down at your Bibles, verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God, okay? So we're talking about what's the word of God. It's the message of the kingdom. Repent, the kingdom is at hand. You thought this was only possible. You thought that your religious life would be the best you'd ever see. You need to change your mind, change the orientation of your life because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's inaugurated the overlap of heaven and earth. It's the seed. When you see the miraculous, make no mistake, it's a seed. When you see somebody set free from something that they've profoundly feared that's run their life, make no mistake, that's a seed that you have a choice. Where will it land in your life? This morning, you know, we open up the actual word of God. Uh, It's seed. What will you do with it? 
So, so Jesus says, this is the meaning of the parable, the seed is the word of God. Those along the path, pay attention, are those who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Do you see what he's saying? What is the path heart? The path heart, I would argue, is the careless heart. It's the careless heart. You don't actually, if you have a path heart, you don't actually see the need for the message. Oh, those are just those religious wackos doing weird healing stuff, whatever. Oh, that's just, uh, you know, it's another bit of information. Okay, I get it, you know, Christian, that's what Christians believe. And so when the message, when the seed goes out, it lives in the open, unprotected, uncultivated path heart. It's holding, really, the message of the gospel alongside just common knowledge. The message of the gospel, Jesus' very presence in a room is no more important than Pizza Capo has the best pizza within 50 miles. <laughs> it's true. It's just, a, it's just a piece of information. There is nothing in the path heart that's considered dire or urgent. The words of God are just another piece of information free to be contradicted by the opinions of others, trampled on by people. This was so my life growing up in the church. You know, I grew up in the church. I was used to hearing. I've heard thousands of sermons. I've read all the passages. And, and really, until I was 17 years old, this is my, I had a path heart. My heart was like, who cares? Yeah, that's what, I guess that's what my parents believe. That's what Christians believe. So what? Anything that I heard from the scriptures could have easily been contradicted by whatever I watched on MTV or whatever I saw on the internet or whatever. Just... Another piece of information. That was until I, I, I changed my soil <laughs> and, I, and I began to receive uh, God. I began to turn my attention to him and I, and I got saved. And when I got saved, what happened was this. I had to completely, for a season, isolate myself from previous influences because I couldn't allow the seed to get trampled on by what other people thought about it. I couldn't listen to the same music. I couldn't watch the same movies. I couldn't be around the same people. Why? Because the seed was delicate. It needed to be planted. I couldn't have a path heart anymore. I had to pay attention. This is the seed of God. If I pay attention to this, if I plant this, a hundredfold is my future. Now, notice that it isn't just the opinions of others that trample on, on God's words. It's the birds that steal. Definitely crows, in my humble opinion. <laughs> Verse 11, again, uh, verse 12. Those along the path are those who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. In another translation, it says, the word or the seed is snatched. What is this? This is opposition from the enemy. Opposition from the enemy. And here's the truth that I want you to get this morning. All blessing, anytime you witness God's movement, anytime you hear a word of God, anytime God blesses you, all blessing, all words of God, Attract opposition. How do I know? God, to Adam and Eve, you're made in my image. You're partners in, in, in co-laboring and building a culture with me. The serpent. Did God really say? Opposition. Or what about this one? Uh, you know, the angel comes to Mary and says, highly favored one of God. A few verses later, he sought to divorce her quietly. 
All blessing brings a level of opposition and the opposition presents a decision. You can allow the word to take root or you can give up the once held loose conviction. So what I'm saying is this, you shouldn't be surprised when somebody speaks an encouraging word over you or they speak what you believe is a prophetic word over your life and you come against lies from the enemy. Don't be surprised. You shouldn't be surprised if you're making progress and surrender. You're really beginning to surrender. You're really beginning to give more of yourself to him and then the enemy comes and he whispers old identities over you. Oh, but you're just this. <laughs> you really think he's gonna move through you? Don't be surprised. See, the danger of the path heart is that the opinions of others and the enemy's voice have equal weight in your life as God's voice. That's the first lesson. Now, there's another type of soil. This, this, this is the rocky heart. The rocky heart is what we're gonna call it. Verse six, here's what he says. Some fell, some of the seed fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. What is the rocky ground? Well, it's soil that already has large things taking up space in it. There's no room for the roots of the new seed because the heart already has these massive, inorganic things taking up space. And Jesus describes these people, look down at verse 13. He says, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Initial joy. That's a good word. This could really be helpful for me. Maybe he really does have the words of eternal life, but no root meaning that the seed was never planted. It was never really pushed down deep. It hasn't been able to produce a root system. Now, what's interesting to me here is not so much that the soil is the problem, it's what's in the soil that is problematic. It's these rocks, it's this inorganic material. In other words, it's stuff that isn't producing life that's taking up your heart space. Think about the metaphor. What does that mean for you? <laughs> and because there's no root, when testing comes, what was planted withers. The sun rises and it withers it. It tests it. There's no root here and it dies. Now, this is a similar result to the path, right? Difficulty happens, opposition comes, and there isn't enough room in the heart for the word of God to have gone down deep enough to withstand the drought season, the toil season. <laughs> the hot season. And here's the point. You can receive the word of God with joy, but if there are other things taking up the space in your heart, no amount of enthusiasm will get you through testing. It says, you know, they receive it with joy. Enthusiasm. This is awesome. That's my favorite song they're playing right now. Totally feel the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm not sure that it's really been planted. You know, I've seen many who in a moment of, of hyper-emotional ecstasy, they make these lifelong promises, God, I'm yours forever. And, and don't get me wrong, there are, I, I've, made that, I've made that prayer, and I've really meant it, and been, that's, been a that's a beautiful prayer. But oftentimes, if that's your only prayer, if that's all that you do, if you don't have a life of, of um, dare I say, even disciplines, that bring you to encounter with him regardless of your enthusiasm, then you will not develop the root system that can withstand the testing that this life is going to put you through. 
You know, in the screw tape letters, there's this moment where, you guys know the screw tape letters, there's like these two demons, they're talking about how to, how to ruin a Christian, basically. And these two demons begin to get very worried. They say, you know, we have a big problem on our hands with this Christian because he's stopped making forever promises to God and he's started to just give God his every day. It's a big problem for the enemy. <laughs> if you stop going... This, in this, on, on Sunday mornings, a moment of ecstasy, I'm yours forever. If you, if, that, that's fine if you do that, but it must be followed by a Monday morning, I'm yours today. And a Tuesday morning, I'm yours today. And a, and a, and a Wednesday evening, I'm meditating on your scriptures tonight. Only real depth, only pushing the words of God down, the testimony of God down deep, the memory, don't forget his movement. This needs to be said to somebody. There's somebody here, maybe a couple of you, you've seen God move. You you have testimonies in your life and and the years that have gone by have clouded your memory. It's time to wake up to the memory again. Can you remember? That's part of stewarding that seed, planting it deep down in in, in the soil of your life and saying, I'm gonna remember it again, Lord. I'm not gonna allow the 10 years that have gone by to shape what I believe you can do in the future. I'm going to look back on what you have done in the past to inform what you will do in the, f- in the future. I think it was Charles Spurgeon that said, uh, you know, uh, pr- prophecy, what is prophecy? It's, it's looking back at the past of what God has done and taking it as precedent for what he intends to do in the future. That's the prophetic. We have to take the, 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 those, the word of God, encounters with God, push it so deep down inside of our hearts that it explodes out of us with growth that you'll be able to then withstand the pain, the testing, the difficulty of this world. Lastly, the thorny heart, verse seven. Look down at verse seven. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. In this soil, what's the problem? there are competing plants sucking up your life, your energy, your attention, your focus. The words of God have maybe gone deep, but their roots are competing with other roots. Their leaves are competing with other leaves. Now, what do the thorns represent? Well, Jesus says this in verse 14. He says, the seeds that fell among Thorns stand for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. What are the other plants? The other plants are plants of lack, worry, fear. And in Mark's uh, version of this parable, which is uh, just, I love that version, uh, it says the cares of this world the cares of this world are planted in your heart and they're choking out the seed of the kingdom. What are the cares of this world? Well, they're economic worries, right? Will I have enough? Will I get what I want in this life? They're social worries. Will I be accepted? Could somebody love me? Will I be esteemed? in my job or, or what I've set you know, my life to do? Uh, will I be um, liked by people? There's, there's pain worries. 
You know, you, you watch people who have gone through profound pain, and some of you, this has been even your story recently in your life. You've gone through profound pain, and so there's a care of this world that enters and plants in your heart. What if I suffer? I don't want to suffer. There's mortal issues. You know, the fear of death is the most pervasive fear, the fear of dying. But it's not just that those things are thorns that choke out the seed of the kingdom. It's also what we think will solve those problems, riches and pleasures. Why those? Because those are what we use to solve for the lack that we feel. Those are the things that we think, if we love them, riches and pleasures, whatever that means for you, we think if we love them, we'll find life. We think that wealth, comfort, good outcomes in our lives will solve this internal ache we feel in a thorny world. But instead, they actually form, they, they, they teach our hearts, they form love for things that aren't eternal and cannot save us. And so then what could have been a blessing from God, wealth, abundance, a home, a, a, a healthy family, a nice meal, what could have been a blessing from God ends up competing for his position in our lives. They choke out the life of the word of God, the activity of God. So, so here's a, our, our summary so far of the, the problematic soils. There's the path problem. What's the path problem? It's careless reception. It was received just like any other information. There's a rock problem. Enthusiasm isn't enough to withstand opposition and pain. And then there's a thorn problem, which is competing loves. Now, all three of these soils contrast with the good soil. Verse 15, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. The presence of God, his activity, his words written and spoken must be retained, then used, depended upon through difficulty in order to produce a crop. When you take the seeds of God and you push them down into your heart, into your life, when they begin to touch your cares, they begin to touch your worries, when they're treasured and valued to the point that they become, the seeds become your riches and pleasures, then get ready for the kingdom to explode out of you. C.S. Lewis was once asked, got a lot of Lewis in here today. C.S. Lewis was once asked, um, how did you write the Chronicles of Narnia? They're just so brilliant. How did you do it? Did you, you know, set out to write a story that would reflect the, the values of Christianity? And he said, that's absolutely the opposite way that I did it. I didn't sit down and think, can I write characters that reflect this value? Can I write characters that reflect this value? He says, no. I, I spent years putting the gospel so deep within me that when I put pen to paper, it all flowed out of me. The Christian life is not a life of looking at the virtues of, of, of God, looking at the, the way of God, the activity of God, and then trying to adopt those various virtues piece, you know, piecemeal. It's about putting his presence so deep within you that it's what comes out of you when the testing comes. It's what comes out of you when a creative pursuit is, is, is tried. It's what comes out of you when you, you know, are writing curriculum for your class or you're sitting down for dinner with your kids and talking, it just comes out of you. Now I want you to see there's one primary difference between all of the bad soils and the good one. What is the singular difference? It's this, need. It's need. 
This is what Jesus is saying about the soil. Verse nine, he says, you know, his disciples ask him, what does this parable mean? He says, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Okay, rude. <laughs> like, really? That's such a, that seems like such a bad plan for like establishing, I don't know, the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Why did you make it so everybody can understand? <laughs> Why were the secrets made known to the disciples? Isn't that interesting? Because they, they get the explanation. Why to the disciples? Why to you this morning? Because you want to know. They needed to know. You won't understand Jesus unless you see your need from him, for him. Yeah. Unless you are in touch with your need for life. Unless your need for something more than riches or pleasures is recognized. Unless you, you need something eternal. You will not see him. You will not understand him. See, only the love-starved heart will be able to understand. Only the hungry heart will be able to really see Jesus. Here's what the boss has to say. Everybody needs a place to rest. Everybody wants to have a home. Don't make no difference what nobody says. Ain't nobody like to be alone. Everybody's got a hungry heart. That was for you. I, I thought about you this week. That's good soil. And you know who else it sounds like? But you didn't expect this guy, Augustine. Here's what Augustine says. <laughs> Fire tends to move upwards, a stone downwards. They are acted on by their respective weights. They seek their own place. Things that are not in their intended position are restless. Once they are in their ordered position, they are at rest. Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. See, it's only the heart who sees its need, the hungry heart, that can become good soil. Only the person who sees what the other loves in their life have done to their lives and knows that they need a new love can really hear Jesus. And I think this is what the women at the beginning of this passage are an example of. Remember the way this passage begins? Did you forget about those women? Shame on you. Verse one. <laughs> After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits. They've seen the seed of the kingdom. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. You know, I wondered, as I sat down uh, on Monday morning, when I began to write this message, I wondered, how am I gonna tie in this little, like, kind of almost like, hey, just a heads up, here's who, who's on our trip, with here's a teaching of Jesus. How do they connect? And then it came to me. I realized the women are the example of the good soil. They're the good soil because they recognize the worth. 
They experienced the seeds of healing, of demonic deliverance. They saw they needed him. They had hungry hearts. And so whatever he said and did, they had buried deep. Deep enough to radically change their lives. You know, I've been thinking about, you know, just how significant the role uh, women have played in the establishing of the kingdom of God. Um, you know, the, the, the women are the first witnesses of the resurrected Christ in, in the Gospels. And there's none of them who doubt. Just saying it, okay? Uh, <laughs> Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, he says, you know, it was your, your faith it began with your grandmother, and it was through your mother that it was established in your life. Time and time again, we see that moms and women play this establishing role in, in the lives of, of their children, of establishing faith for a household. You know, I had no interest in God up until I was 17 years old, but every single morning I woke up as a child, I'd come down the stairs and I'd see my mom laid out on the floor next to her Bible praying. And I remember just thinking, whatever. Are you gonna make me breakfast? <laughs> you know? And, but you know what I realized later on in life? I realized this later on in life, that my mom was stewarding an environment where I would have access to a person that I wasn't seeking. Moms, women in the house, you play a, a role of setting an environment for people to see their need for God. I wanna bless you this morning. And here we have in this passage another example of a woman uh, who was used to establish kingdom stuff. Verse three, read it once again, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Now, the fact that this is here should cause any Bible scholar to ask, well, who's Chusa? <laughs> Why mention who she is married to? Well, Chusa, we're told, is a steward in Herod's household. And remember that Herod is the ruler over Judea at the time. He's a Roman ruler, very high up within uh, uh, the Roman Empire. And Chusa was, was likely not what we think of. When we think of a steward, we think of, you know, somebody who's like a personal assistant. That's not what a steward was in this time period. He was probably an official within the court of Herod. High, high-ranking person. And his wife follows Jesus? You have to imagine how radical this is for a woman to leave, this woman to leave her husband's class, to leave the company that he would have kept in order to follow Jesus. She was completely dying to a social life that she could have had. And she's honored. Right here is she honored, but also in Luke 23, at the resurrection, Joanna wife of Chusa, is again listed as one of the women who witnessed the resurrected Christ. The splendor that you receive in this life may not look like the court of Herod, but surrender is always rewarded. Always rewarded. She is the kind of person who can hear and understand because she knows her hungry heart. The court of Herod isn't enough for her hungry heart. Do you know your hungry heart? You know, I think it's possible to hear a passage like this and sort of get discouraged or depressed, like, how do I change my soil? How am I gonna change my soil? I don't wanna have a path heart. I don't wanna have a rocky heart. I don't wanna have a thorny heart. How do I change my soil? How do I get good soil? And I'm not sure what it will be like for you, but I wanna tell you a little bit about what this has been like for me in this past um, probably month. 
You know, almost no verse has haunted me quite like this one, and particularly in this translation, the KJV. Uh, This is the same passage, but from Mark. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. That's been my heart. See, I've been deceived by riches. Riches have made promises to me about um, a future that they can't deliver on. A perfect life someday. When, when the riches are there, then I'll finally be good. And so for me, the cares of this world, this is the deceitfulness of riches, have taken on the form of a personal project for a preferred future. It's my personal project in order to get that preferred future. It's a specific home. I could describe it to you, the kind of home that I want to have. It's a kind of lifestyle that I want to have. The, 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 the amount of work I do, the amount of work I don't have to do anymore, the, the places I get to travel, the food that I get to eat, the body that, of course, I'm going to have. <laughs> and this personal project for a preferred future has built in my heart a set of loves that have choked out the seed of the kingdom. They've promised me life, but instead of life, I've got anxiety, toil, and worry that are constantly warring against my fresh surrender that the Lord graciously beckons me into every day. And so I've lived with this pervading sense of lack constantly, so acutely aware of what I don't have and what I need or what I want. This is what Augustine called sin. It's disordered love. And it got so bad, in the, like a month ago, it got so bad that I was unable to enjoy the present because I was always thinking about what I needed in my future. I couldn't even enjoy the good that was happening in my life right now because I was constantly looking to the, the horizon. But maybe when I have that, maybe when I do that, maybe when I drive this car, maybe whatever it is. And I just got to the point where I was, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I couldn't take it anymore. I got so sick of the lack, so sick of the sense of missing out, I got sick and tired of not being able to enjoy the good that God has given me because I'm constantly concerned with how to secure more of it. And God is not mad at me. He's a father. This is his delight to do father's stuff. But I heard this warning. Here was the warning. So clear. Alex, your idolatry is snuffing out your destiny. Your heart is distracted. You've been called to one thing, but you've made these other things your pursuit. And so I knew in that moment, I knew my preferred future has to be surrendered. If I never have the house that I want to live in, if I never have, you know, the car that I want to drive, or the, the, I get to go in the, you know, if I never get to go back to Paris, Okay. <laughs> Surrendered. That's a hard one. That's, I'm still working on that one, I have to be honest. But um, if, I ne- if I never get these things that I want, okay. And for me, getting new soil, getting a soil transplant looks like reshaping my loves through truth. So here's what I've been meditating on recently. Psalm 127, verse one, I love this verse. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. 
You can have a personal project. You can, you can network and negotiate and try to get where you want to go in life, but unless the Lord builds the house, you're laboring in vain. This one is awesome. Proverbs 10, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. I've experienced this, and maybe you have as well, where you've toiled for something and you finally got that thing that you want, but it has left wreckage behind you relationally. It's wrecked your heart. It's actually, it's damaged you in some way. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a abundance, it's, ri- it's richness, it's whatever, but it's cost you something. When the Lord blesses, when he gives you something, when he brings something into your life, he doesn't add any toil, any sorrow with it. It's a gift. Lastly, Proverbs 3, this one's a great one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, your own project for how you can make life work for you. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Here's the question. Do you get more life by organizing your life to get the future you want or do you get more life by surrendering to him and saying whatever, wherever, however, with whoever? Where's more life gonna come from? The answer to bad soil is to see there's only one way to real life and it's to trust. And so after trusting so many other loves, I have to position myself in this life to experience his trustworthiness. I gotta turn off the podcast, turn off the TV. I have to begin to, to actually to discipline myself to spend more time in worship. To, to actually, I'm, I'm doing this right now. I have a little checklist of every morning that I wake up and read my Bible because I need to do that. I need to do that. I need to spend time in the word. I need to spend time having my mind renewed, having my soil renewed, spending time with God and saying, you're my king. You're my savior. How do you grow in faith? You get close to the faithful. So to end, I want to help you see him again. Do you you remember um, the first time thorns are mentioned in the Bible? Any Bible? We have, we have theology professors from Fox. I won't call you out, but they're here. Do you remember the first time thorns are mentioned in the Bible? Genesis 3. 3. Genesis 3. They're a part of the fall. They're a part of this, this broken world. And really, thorns throughout the Bible have come to represent the fall, the lack inherent in creation. But Jesus says the way that you solve lack can also be a thorn. The cares of this world are all fueled all that we've been talking about, it's all fueled by a sense of lack. It's fueled by feeling, Genesis 3. And so many people, they waste their lives trying to get rid of the thorns of this world with loves that actually are becoming thorns in their hearts. So, so think about this. When Jesus wears the crown of thorns, make no mistake, it's on purpose. When Jesus wears the crown of thorns, he's making a subtle but powerful statement. I will be crowned with the curse. I will be crowned with your lack so abundance could now begin to crown you. Do you see him? He takes the cares of this world, the worries of life, the things of lack to the cross and and, and he takes them on himself. Do you see your fear of being accepted? Look Look at his acceptance of you. His arms splayed wide on the cross open to you. Do you fear pain? Look at what he bore that your mortal body could be made whole. Do you fear death? Death couldn't even keep him in the grave. Do you see him crowned with the thorns so that you could be crowned 
with his presence. That's where we get our soil changed and that's where a hundredfold of the kingdom begins to happen in our lives. I want you to stand up. I want to pray for you to end. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store or visit our website.